Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life podcast. I'm your host, Alex Stewart, and today's episode is show number seven already. And uh, we are getting our nerd on today with all things deficiencies. There are some super common deficiencies that lead to some super common symptoms, uh, some that many, many, many of us out there experience and can easily be addressed by either seeing a physician or a naturopath or a nutritionist. Uh, through your food or through supplementation. And I am always a big fan of preventing uh, whatever we can uh, when it comes to living our best and healthier selves and addressing deficiencies as and when they come up is a brilliant way of fortifying ourselves, if you like, from the inside out. Uh, So I hope you enjoy today's show. Now, I wanted to just mention a couple of other things before we kicked into today's show. Number one, kind of excited. I'm sitting here in my hotel room in uh, West Hollywood in Los Angeles and uh, and it was funny, I actually got in a, a cab, an Uber to visit a friend of mine yesterday and just stepped on Tony Danza's star <laughs> as a child of the 80s. That was quite a moment. I don't know if anyone else was a child of the 80s out there, but I saw Tony Danza's Hollywood star and actually had a moment. So um So that was quite funny. Another thing, (laughs) I'm kind of laughing at how daggy I am right now all alone and uh, hopefully there's some people out there giggling as you listen to me. Now, much more excitedly, however, is that I have our first partner offer Uh, and, of course, partner offers are a part of uh, helping a podcast continue on and prosper because it helps us cover our production costs. But, of course, the reason that these are awesome as well is for you because it helps you get your low-tox on and save a pretty penny in the process. Now, I screen brands massively. I am so strict, which is why you hardly ever see me work with brands because there are very few that I want to work with and I have multiple boxes that I want ticked. And today I'm bringing you a brilliant new organic bamboo lyocell bedding brand, a real luxury brand called Etitude. Now, I'm super excited about this because they passed all my tests. Yay. Uh, There's no harsh chemicals, no toxic dyes. They are fair trade and they have the GOTS certification. And what GOTS stands for is Global Organic Textiles Standard. And it's a standard which basically ensures fairness and sustainability right from the farm through to the factory and shipping. And what you see from these sorts of businesses is they just care. It breathes through their whole brand. And for me, as low-tox life people, you know, we, we're still going to be buying stuff. It's not like you, you stop buying anything. Less is more and better quality and buying less. Of course, those are the messages. But when you, your sheets go threadbare, you kind of need new sheets. Same with towels, same with cosmetics. When you run out of your moisturiser, if you're not making your own, you buy one. But what we can do when we are buying things is we can buy well from people who care about us and our health and people who care about the health of their factory workers, of the farmers, uh, and they care about everything right down to the packaging and then they give back. So as with Etitude, like if you buy a sheet set, they're giving $10 to a homeless charity for every sheet set. And, you know, so there's always a way with these brands about them 
where they live and breathe goodness. And so rather than rabbiting on about uh, everything, I'm just going to mention a couple of technical things about the brand and its production to just give you an idea of the length that they go to to be sustainable and, and be a beautiful luxury brand at the same time because it is possible and we're seeing it more and more. So bamboo lyocell is it's a pretty innovative textile in that it's made from organic bamboo. It's fabricated using a sustainable closed loop system. Basically in translation, that means the water that is used in production of it is recycled and reused up to 200 times. And one of the hugest red flags in the garment and textiles industries are how much water is used in production. So the closed loop system really does massively minimise the water use. Uh, And then, of course, you know, for people who want to know, it's hypoallergenic, so it's wonderful for people who have a sensitive uh, skin profile. It's really breathable. It's got the great thermoregulating factor where it's uh, cool in the summer. I was going to say cool in the winter. We do not want that. Cool in the summer and warm in the winter and um, naturally antimicrobial microbial instead of um, so many products out there that are antimicrobial having nasties like triclosan, which can impair thyroid function and, and, and things like that. So you really, it's a wonderful brand to get behind for many, many reasons, uh, most especially because of the luxurious feeling as well. And the way that they're able to provide these uh, beautiful bedding products uh, at less than what I would consider to be your mainstream luxury options is that they don't have all the retail spaces and that footprint, if you like, in the physical world, they sell direct to consumer. So that's how they end up being able to make it around 30, 40% less expensive than your leading luxury bedding brands with all the goodness that they are as a brand. So how do we get 10% off? Because that's what we've got for the whole month of August. We do that by using our code SLEEPBETTER, all one word lowercase, at our special link that they have created just for us. And that is www.etitude.com.au forward slash lowtoxlife. And I will have that link up in the show notes. It'll be there. So if you think, you know, a few months, a few days down the track, oh, what was that link again? Hop to the lowtoxlife dot com forward slash podcast um, show notes. It's a tab right there on the homepage. So you'll easily be able to find it and um, and and shop through there. So I, I can't wait to see what you guys think of these gorgeous sheets and, and quilt covers because I think they're really special and I just love discovering brands like this, um, especially the ones that want to partner with us and give you a great deal. Uh, so thank you to Etitude for that for the whole month of October for our po- podcast listeners. Now, to hook back into today's show, uh, we have Dr. Layla Masson. She's a paediatrician. I don't want you to think if you don't have kids or you're past kids that this show isn't going to be relevant to you because it absolutely is. Uh, Of course, we talk about children a few times in the chat, but it really is. I mean, I got so much out of it just for myself, looking back retrospectively uh, through my life. Oh gosh, that was magnesium or, oh my goodness, zinc. How did I not pick up on that? So um, I hope the revelations are abounds as they were for me. 
because the 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 goodness from this chat is just so practical, and there are so many things we can do through the food we eat, uh, through the practitioners we choose to see, and possible supplements that we might um, end up having to use. Uh, It's a really great precursor show as well because we've got the Thrive e-course coming up. The next round starts on August 24th. And if you haven't heard of Thrive, if you've got kids, this is, I believe, the kind of course that I have created to help every parent help their child see real, beautiful, delicious food as a gorgeous normal part of life and to be really enthusiastic about real food um, because that's what's going to help them thrive and kick all the goals they want to kick as little people growing so fast. It's going to help them concentrate better at school. It's going to help them have less health issues um, because they're getting the nutrients they need and psychologically because they'll actually want to eat the food, which is something I know so many parents struggle with. So on the homepage, you'll always see my e-course Uh, icons. Uh, Click through onto Thrive. I'll pop it in the show notes as well because off the back of today's chat, if you do have a child and you think, gosh, there's there's some seriously lacking in nutrition, Um, however, I, A, have a fussy eater or B, don't have time to cook or C, don't know how to get a lunchbox happening easily and quickly, you know, if all of those things are like, oh my gosh, that's me, then Thrive is a super simple three-week empowerment course to get you on the right track. So gosh, I had so many things to talk about right then. We haven't even started the show. So let's start the show right now. Dr. Leila Masson, enjoy the chat. Hello, Dr. Leila Masson. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Alex. It's a great pleasure to be talking to you. Ah, We've got so much to cover in our short time together talking about modern deficiencies, but I would love for the people who don't know of your incredible work as a pediatrician specializing in nutritional environmental medicine, can you just share with us a little bit about your journey and how you arrived to want to be specializing in the field that you specialize in today? Oh, with great pleasure. I did my pediatric training in the United States and spent a couple of years in Pakistan working in a village and then did a master in public health at Harvard University. And I just through all of those different experiences, I found that nutrition is really very, very much key to health, whether it's undernutrition, like I found in Pakistan, or overnutrition, as I saw in the United States. And, you know, with that overnutrition often come too many calories, but not enough nutrients. Mm. And that really interested me because I saw so many children who were sick, for example, with recurrent infections, ear infections, throat infections, skin infections, and they were treated with one antibiotic course after another. But what they really needed was some very essential nutrients that were lacking in their diet and that without which their immune system couldn't work, Mm. for example, zinc. Mm. And so I did um, some further training then in nutritional medicine and environmental medicine and found that that is incredibly helpful for all of my patients because hardly anybody who comes to me has the perfect diet or the perfect nutritional status. It's so true, isn't it? And, I, you know, I help clients all the time in my community with this concept of are you filling up or are you nourishing up? You know, there's two, there's two very different things when you just That's eat so a whole right. bunch of cal- calories. You might feel mm. full for a little bit, but have you actually given your body what it needs? 
Yeah, usually not, unfortunately. No. I know. So it's um, that's the perfect segue for us to actually jump right in there and maybe tackle that one that you mentioned, zinc. What does a zinc deficiency look like? You mentioned it helps our immune system function. Are there any clues that we get when we're zinc deficient? Oh, yes, absolutely. The first thing I look for is whether the children have white spots on their fingernails, Mm -hmm. because that's usually a sign of really severe zinc deficiency. And uh, I would say a big percentage of the children I see lack zinc in Australia and New Zealand even in the United States. And the reason is that our soils are depleted in zinc. So even if you eat a very, very healthy diet, you just can't get enough zinc for the needs of a growing child. When you grow, you need a lot more zinc than once you are fully grown. So an adult may actually need less zinc than a child, especially teenagers and toddlers who are going through these really fast growth spurts. Right. And the problems I see in the children with zinc deficiency are mainly three. So one is that they get a lot of infections, as I mentioned already. And the other one is that they are very irritable, low Um, mood, very easily frustrated. So those are the kids where the parents come and say, these kids are angered so easily and I don't know what to do with my child. He's Mm -hmm. always getting angry or she's just, you know, wakes up in a bad mood. Mm. And then the third thing is picky eating because you need zinc, not just for your brain and your immune system, but you also need it for your taste buds. And if you don't have enough zinc, you just eat a very restricted diet. So a lot of children will just eat like white foods or just pasta and pizza and bread with cream cheese or marmite, you know, they don't eat variety. Yes. And what I find is that once they start getting enough zinc, and unfortunately, that is usually a supplement because, you know, the foods, I mean, you're supposed to get zinc from whole grains, but you don't in Australia Mm. and New Zealand and other countries where there isn't enough zinc in the soil. So they do end up taking supplements. But once they do, I find that usually in the first month, the immune system improves and they don't get so sick anymore. I mean, in New Zealand, they did studies at the children's hospital on children who had recurrent cellulitis. That's an infection of the skin. And New Zealand is one of the centers of the world for cellulitis. And nobody could understand why, because it's a developed country. You shouldn't really have that problem. And they found that these kids were severely zinc deficient. And once you gave them zinc, they no longer got those infections within a few weeks. Wow. So within the first month, really, the immune system starts to kick in. In the second month, I find that their mood starts to improve, sometimes much faster. But, you know, it does take a long time if you're very deficient to fill up those stores in the body. Mm. And then, you know, after a few weeks, within the second month, approximately, the parents come back and say, oh, my child is really getting much happier and much easier to be around. And then in the third month, the taste buds start to work and they start eating more variety. They start eating vegetables, all kinds of them. And it's always a very positive experience, I find, to see these kids again after a while and see how much they have improved. Oh, how beautiful, especially when it's, I mean, such a simple clinical treatment, really, compared to what what people might be faced with out there. 
Exactly. And you really get to the cause of the problem. You know, mm. giving yet another course of antibiotics is not going to help their immune system. No. It's quite the opposite. It's going to destroy their gut flora. I mean, sometimes we need antibiotics. Definitely, they can be life-saving. Mm. But you're not going to address the underlying issue, which in these kids is a zinc deficiency. And I do test children's blood for zinc. And I have very rarely do I get a normal result back. Wow. That, I mean, that says so much. And I yeah. mean, how many kids would you test in a year, ballpark figure? Hundreds, yeah. hundreds. Yeah. And it really, the I mean, maybe less than 10% come back normal. And then there's also the question of the normal range, really, because the normal range in Australia is much, much lower compared to countries, let's say, like Spain, where they have enough zinc in the soil. Mm. The range is much, much higher, which just reflects that the whole population really is low here. Wow. So what you're saying there is normal range does not actually necessarily mean normal as in clinically good. It actually optimal. just means normal for this country rather than That's optimal. That's right. Wow. Yeah. So the opt- we say the optimal is about 14 to 15 here. Mm-hmm. And I rarely see a child with that. I usually see kids around 9 or 10, maybe 11, sometimes mm-hmm. 12. And in Spain, the normal range is 18 to 24. Wowzer. That's yeah. a huge, mm-hmm. huge aha. So, I mean, there we don't want people running out to random health shops and just buying whatever form of zinc they find because obviously there's zinc toxicity as well that we don't really want to self-medicate. How do you recommend if someone's thinking, gosh, my child's angry, I get really irrationally angry or, you know, they've noticed a, a, a couple of clues from what you've just said, what are the steps? Well, that's a really good point because you can take too much zinc and mm. one of the things that happens is that if you take too much zinc, your copper drops Mm. and you need copper. Now, a lot of zinc and copper go like a seesaw. So when zinc is down, copper goes up. And when you take zinc, the copper comes down. Now, the combination of low zinc and copper are really quite uh, unpleasant because low zinc makes the child irritable and Mm -hmm. high copper makes it quite explosive. So you get these easily frustrated, very, very angry children. Um, Now, giving zinc brings down the copper into the normal range, but if you take too much, it goes too low, which is not good either. And if you take too much zinc, you also can become nauseated and feel just sick to your stomach. So I think the best way is really to see either a doctor who specializes in nutrition or a naturopath who can test your child, either through blood tests. Um, that's, I think, the best test. Um, there are some taste tests, which are not totally reliable, but they give you an indication. If you um, swallow some zinc liquid and you can't taste anything, that means your taste buds don't work. It means you're low in zinc. Mm. And once you take some zinc, after a while you start tasting it and then the kids start spitting it out. And that's an indication <laughs> that they're doing better. But I really think um, because of the the risks of taking too much and also of um, not knowing what dose is right, it's best to see a a professional for that. Now, you can get a multivitamin for children that has a little bit of zinc in it. They all have a little bit, which, you know, is not going to harm. Definitely not. That's multivitamins are made in a way that, you know, everything is balanced and you're not going to overdose, but it just may not be enough. Okay. 
Yeah. The other thing for zinc is that it's also very well absorbed to the skin. So for some of the children who are so picky that they won't take a supplement, you can get zinc creams from compounding pharmacies that are absorbed really well through the skin. And then sometimes that's the easiest way to get it into younger ones. Excellent. So many uh, ideas there. And it's funny, you mentioned that liquid test. That was actually what uh, my chiropractor ended up finding um, my zinc deficiency, which led to my pyrroles testing, which led to a crazy high reading of pyrroles um, of 40 and, uh, and sent me on a really fantastic journey earlier this year, actually, which has completely subdued my anxiety. I, I just wow. don't have it anymore. Um, that's amazing. Really incredible. So, mm. you know, I think the, the message here is you can have these incredible aha moments, but please be responsible about it. See a practitioner. Uh, if you can't find, um, a pediatrician or a doctor who has the biomed education or the integrative philosophy, then a naturopath is also a wonderful uh, practitioner to see in your area. Okay, so what are we going to tackle next, Leila? There are many deficiencies. <laughs> what about magnesium? Shall we do? Yeah, magnesium yeah. is really common as a deficiency. About 60% of Australians are actually deficient in magnesium. And the same goes for other developed countries. And in this case, it's not that there isn't enough in the food. It's just that people don't eat that food. Ah, so um, what that is, is high magnesium food. high food? What, what so should magnesium we... is really um, abundant in nuts and seeds. And then beans and lentils and quinoa and um, and dark leafy vegetables as well, so dark leafy greens. But the best, the easiest way to get them into you is just having some nuts and seeds. You know, a handful of nuts and seeds um, easily gives you... 250 milligrams of magnesium, and we need about 400 a day. Now, magnesium deficiency is so rampant that in Germany, they put every pregnant woman on 400 milligrams of magnesium during pregnancy because they found that it reduces the risk of so many complications, including premature labor, high blood pressure, preeclampsia. And they, you know, it's very cheap to give people 400 milligrams of magnesium a day, much cheaper than having someone in hospital or, you know. Of course. And, you know, that's what I love about Germany. Oh, they're just, they understand that these basic nutritional deficiencies should be a part of the conversation in modern medicine. You know, you, you, unfortunately, you just don't see that here or in the States, um, it's just not part of the thinking yet, um, but well, I hope it will change. <laughs> I, hope, I hope so too. I hope you are so going too. to bring the change upon Australia, Alex. <laughs> well, I think just by having the conversation, it gets people. You know, I, I remember years and years ago when I first started talking about, uh, you know, supplementation or um, things that were going on that um, my tests all showed normal, but I had actually continued some work with a naturopath. Um, to try and get some results and I did get them and my doctor would just kind of fob them off. But now he's actually curious. He wants to ask questions and and actually has started studying, you know, so you never know what starting that conversation is going to do. It's a little ripple effect, isn't it? Yeah, and I mm. agree. It is becoming much more a, a topic mm. now, you know, a lo- and research as well. I mean, there's so many research studies, including in Australia on nutrition and specific nutrients. And, you know, one of the reasons that people get the magnesium deficiency, for example, is for the SAD diet, which stands for Standard Australian Diet, <laughs> which is just, you know, very is that acronym <laughs> a coincidence? <laughs> I think it started out as a Standard American Diet, but it works just as well in Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. 
crazy, isn't it? And actually, I did a, um, a, a big post on the breakfast aisle in the supermarket recently. And, um, you know, because I speak to a lot of corporate groups in a lunch and learn kind of context, and I was racking my brain trying to think, how do I convince smart, very busy, very return on investment focused people uh, to ditch these breakfast cereals? And I don't know if you've had a look at the percentages of macros that the average breakfast cereal gives you. I had always looked at additives and added sugar, you know, the those obvious evils we talk about, but I'd never really focused on the percentages. I thought, what on earth is 2% of my daily protein requirement going to do to carry me through to lunchtime? It's got no chat. No wonder we're all then reaching for snacks by 9am. It, it was just, I knew it was going to be bad, but I had no idea it would provide me such um, viral worthy content. <laughs> what well, it I is actually very shocking, found. You know, it is. it is really just beautifully packaged sugar. Mm. And I mean, when they claim there's fruits in there, it's usually, you know, less one than 1% of the content. It's terrible. It's terrible. And mm. a girlfriend of mine who was a food technologist for many years, uh, who worked on a breakfast cereal that was, um, that had with real fruit on the front written, that mm. had apricot written as the flavor, the actual fruit in there was grape because it's so much cheaper and then they spray an apricot essence through the product to be able to call it apricot. I mean, this is what we're dealing with out there and we wonder why we've got these deficiencies. It's actually not rocket science. It's just having to make that realisation and go, whoa, we are being failed abysmally in the supermarkets. Let's switch from products to produce and then, you know, let's use uh, a practitioner by our side to address the rest. Um, I agree. And, you know, if people become aware of how common the symptoms, for example, of magnesium deficiency are, um, they will start to look at what they're feeding their children. For example, I mean, I see every day in my clinic, I see children with constipation. Now, of course, that's a lack of fiber and water as well, not a great gut flora, but a big part of it is magnesium deficiency because if you don't have enough magnesium, your muscles tense up. Not mm. just your leg muscles, so those are the muscle spasms, uh, the sore legs. Some people say they're growing pains, but they really are magnesium deficiency causing muscle spasms. But the same goes on in the gut because it's, our gut is a muscle and it needs that peristaltic movement of moving along the poo. Mm. <laughs> and if you don't have enough magnesium, your gut is very lazy. And then you were talking about anxiety. I see lots of kids with anxiety and who can't sleep. And magnesium deficiency causes that as well. So, you know, just simple things that people think, oh, they just have to live with it. If they look at the symptoms and what could be causing it from their, from a nutritional point of view, magnesium is a really, really important nutrient. Mm. Food first, right? Before Absolutely. we do anything, we go, what is on mm. the plate? Yeah. And I really, I've encouraged people, I mean, unless, of course, there is a nut allergy in the family, I encourage everyone to eat a handful of nuts every day because they are packed with magnesium and B vitamins and good oils, so really important, but make sure that they come from a good 
source. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because there's quite a few, if I think of Australia, there's quite a few very heavily sprayed areas. There's even studies being done on cancer clusters in um, certain type of nut farms. So, you know, it, I think, you know, if you're going to go organic with one type of food on the on the plate, nuts are definitely a really good one to, to do that with. I agree. Mm. So um, is there anything else that could give us a clue that we're magnesium deficient? You've mentioned the constipation, the anxiety, Anxiety. Is that pins and needles? Am I right in saying um, sort of tingles and pins and needles? Well, it can, it, pins and needles, but it can also just be real, just pain. You know, when you think of athletes who run a marathon, they're using up a huge amount of magnesium. They all take magnesium after their workout. Mm. And our children run around all day. <laughs> yeah. And, they use up a lot of magnesium as well. So they get sore legs. They don't want to walk. You know, the kids who say, I don't want to walk, pick me up. You know, sometimes it's as simple as magnesium deficiency. And they, once they get enough magnesium, their muscles work and they can run again and walk and be active. Um, or the kids who walk up, wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares. Mm-hmm. You know, mag- magnesium deficiency also makes nightmares more likely. So Ooh, it's really important for sleep. Very, yeah. very important. And I mean, how many kids are out there who don't sleep well, you know, who struggle to go to sleep or wake up in the middle of the night? It's actually quite shocking. I, I just assumed that once your baby was six to eight months old, you, you generally at least had them sleeping between that 10 and 5 kind of time in the dead of the night. And um, and it wasn't really until I started in the schoolyard just having chats and, you know, oh, you know, maybe one day she'll, she'll sleep through the night. And we're talking about a five-year-old, a six-year-old. Mm. And um, <laughs> I was just like, wow. And we just accept that that's unfortunate and our normal, but we really, there's so much we can investigate and do. Well, and look at the parents. Many of the parents don't sleep well. You know, so it's not just the children. I mean, I do think that we expect babies to sleep through the night a bit too early. And if they're breastfed, they will breastfeed in the night. And that's totally normal. Mm. And it's good for them, you know, until they wean. I mean, some, but older children and adults, I absolutely agree. You know, they should be able to sleep through the night without waking up with nightmares or pain or anxiety or just insomnia. Yes, and we've, we've come to accept a new normal and it's just not right. Mm. Yeah, I think we uh, that word optimal should be the no, like the thing that we're actually, oh, okay, that's what's normal. Optimal mm-hmm. is normal, not this weird <laughs> funk that we're all in with all these crazy problems that we're running to the doctor for. Exactly. Yes, okay. all right. Yeah. So um, we've talked magnesium. We've talked zinc. I'm quite interested in the EPA, DHA, so the fish oils, the, the omega-3s, that kind of area, um, because this is it's quite hyped up as, as a go-to that you have to take or you have to give your child those gummies that have um, the fish oil in them. What, what's your take on that? I mean, is there a, a deficiency we should be looking at here as well? Yeah, I I do think there are a lot of children who don't get enough omega-3 or who are eating a diet that is too high in omega-6. So it's, sometimes it's not that they don't get enough omega-3, but that the ratio of the different oils is out of kilter. If you eat a lot of commercially prepared foods, so like baked goods or fried foods or just deli foods, they are high in omega-6 because omega-6 is cheap. So it's added to a lot of foods. 
there are the hydrogenated fats as well. And then you just don't have enough omega-3. Now, omega-3 is essential for your brain. And I would say that that's the one supplement, nutritional supplement, that most pediatricians have embraced. And if the, even the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that if you see a child with, for example, ADHD or attention problems, that you do give them a good dose of omega-3 as a trial and an additive-free diet, of course. But the omega-3, um, so what I look for is apart from the symptoms of children, you know, either being kind of sad, low mood, irritable, or inattentive, problems with focus, also kids with um, immune problems, lots of allergies, lots of infections. I always examine the upper arms and see if they have a bumpy rash there. And a lot of children will have that. We call it keratosis pilaris. And what it is, in fact, is it shows that the child is low in the good oils, the omega-3. Mm. And giving them omega-3 will smooth out the skin, but more importantly, that omega-3 will go to the brain where it is most needed. Because all the cell membranes in the brain are made up by omega-3. And if there is enough omega-3, those cell membranes are very fluid and information can travel very easily between them. Now, if you don't have enough omega-3, those oils are replaced by more rigid ones. And then you have rigid membranes that don't communicate so well with other cells. And then you have problems. Mm. So it is really, really important. Now, for... Omega-3 is obviously found in fish. The problem with fish is that it is so contaminated nowadays. You cannot really buy fish that is completely free of mercury, PCB, dioxins, all of the terrible toxins that have we have been putting into our environment for the last you know, 50 or 100 years. So I always recommend if you're going to eat fish to eat the smallest fish possible, like sardines, because the smaller they are, the lower they are on the food chain and the less of those toxins they yes, have in them. That there's no bioaccumulation. Yeah. Well, and the bigger all, they yeah. get, the more there is. So, for example, tuna is a really bad one because they're quite big. Mm. Yeah. Now, if you buy an omega-3 supplement, which can be an algae oil, for example, mm -hmm. and algae is where the fish get their omega-3 from, so it is just as good and it's actually much cleaner than any fish oil because it is produced organically. Oh, have you got a brand name that we could reference online? Yeah, I mean, I myself take the Nordic Naturals algae oil. Oh, that's what we've got. Okay, tick for the for the stewards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you can go for fish oils that are molecularly distilled. Ah, so, they, that's so that's a very the, expensive mm, process where mm. you take out all the bad stuff and you only have the good stuff left. But I always say, why not go straight for the algae where you don't have to do all that, you know? And it is the new trend because people are becoming aware of the fact that we are emptying our oceans. There are lots of areas in the world's oceans that are empty. You know, more fish and it's terrible. It's yeah, terrible. So. Well, if you look at um, krill and what the fad of krill oil has done for, you know, and krill, might, they might be small fish, but they unfortunately take about seven years to grow to their full size. So it's mm -hmm. an absolute disaster that we're not only taking the food of a huge fish that needs bucket loads of this stuff to survive, um, but we're also taking seriously 
obviously unsustainable fish out of our ocean if they're going to take seven years to grow to normal size and processing them for our gain that just doesn't make sense when as you said you can use an algae that's I mean that's a no-brainer so Nordic Naturals great so you feel like that could be a, a very safe thing for any family out there any adult or child to just incorporate into their daily you know pop a little Nordic Naturals and you're done yeah I mean it if you take too much omega-3, which of course you can, as with anything, mm. if you take yeah. it, you know, not as a food, you can overdose, you can start bruising or get nosebleeds and then you definitely have to stop it. Okay. And, you know, ideally you do all of these things under the supervision of some kind of trained healthcare professional who knows about nutrition. But I think taking a small dose of algae oil is very safe for most people. Okay, wonderful. And I just wanted to add one thing about algae oil because I think it's fascinating. It is produced in a way that it takes CO2 out of the environment. So you're actually doing some good for for buying algae oil. And, you know, a few years ago there was only one brand. Now we have like five or six different ones. And I think it is going to be the future. Oh, how wonderful. And I might just add that we're not sponsored by Nordic Naturals at all. (laughs) I just think it helps when it's something that's relatively safe for people to take themselves to just know, okay, that's what I'm looking for. Great. I also don't have any financial ties. (laughs) (laughs) Disclaimer central. Okay. (laughs) Um, So there are a couple of other deficiencies that I wouldn't mind covering if you wouldn't mind making the time for us to continue chatting for a bit because a lot of people don't know about selenium, what selenium deficiency looks like and and just how essential it is to us. Uh, You know, it's sort of less talked about if you like. So I I would love for you to share a little bit about it why it's essential and, and, and our little clues as to whether we're getting enough. Yes, of course. Selenium is really important for your thyroid function and it is also important for your immune system. So children who get those many, many infections, we talked about zinc deficiency, but sometimes it can be selenium as well and often it's both together because selenium is also very, very low in our soils. Mm. So um, some kids have huge white spots on their fingernails, really big ones, and they are more likely to be selenium deficiency than zinc. Zinc is usually many small ones and selenium is a few big ones so but you can have both okay (laughs) so and um we have a bit of an epidemic of thyroid problems you know a lot of the mums of the patients i see have either hypothyroidism hashimoto's hyperthyroidism and when they go to integrative doctors they always assess them for zinc selenium and iodine because they're all three very important for thyroid function now if a mum has thyroid problems in the pregnancy that will can affect the baby's development. So it's really important that the mums get checked before they get pregnant Mm. to make sure they have good uh, thyroid function and that they get the nutrients in the pregnancy. I'm actually going to talk about iodine as well because selenium and iodine go very much together. And um, now in Australia and New Zealand, the government is recommending that every pregnant mother gets 200 micrograms of iodine. Wow. Daily, because we know that the soils are so low in iodine, and most people don't eat iodine rich foods, that a lot of mums are deficient, and that affects the children. This is so true because in pregnancy, we're obviously told to, um, to, (laughs) crazily not have much live 
you know, breathing food and we're told to eat a lot of safe, in inverted commas, dead food um, for, you know, for fear of poisoning and all those sorts of things. And it's funny when I've got a half European heritage um, myself, I'm half French and that's just not the case. You know, if you've got a quality source that you can trust that, you know, keeps the food well and fresh, uh, you you have women eating their their nutrient-rich cheeses and, and heaps of fresh raw fruit and vegetables throughout the pregnancy completely not worried. But here it seems that we are sort of almost scared to eat live fresh foods during mm-hmm. pregnancy. Do you have a view on that? Well, I think a whole foods diet is just essential and that, of course, includes lots of fresh vegetables and mm. fruit yeah. and nuts and seeds. So, you know, we need our, I mean, the recommendation is five plus portions of vegetables. Hardly anybody meets that. And actually, optimally, it should be more like seven to 10 servings mm. of vegetables. So I think we really need to make a big effort to let people know how important it is to eat your vegetables and to eat a large variety of vegetables as well. Now, one vegetable that I love to include is seaweed, Uh, you know, like the nori sheets or the seaweed snacks because they're very high in selenium and iodine. Oh, great. Can I just ask, only because this is totally selfish because it's something I actually worry (laughs) about, so I'm tangenting for my own personal gain here. Nori sheets, like I get scared when I see product of Japan these days because of Fukushima. Should I be worried? Well, I worry too. Mm. But, you know, the problem is that the oceans don't have borders. So, Mm. yeah. You know, even California, apparently, they're now measuring increased radioactivity at their shores. Mm. So, I mean, I, and then, you know, are the Chinese seas so healthy and clean? Mm. Mm, You know? So, I, I mean, I buy seaweed for my 14-year-old because he's addicted to it. He yeah. loves it. That's his oh, favorite so my snack. my son loves it too. And I think, <laughs> you know, that just speaks volumes. It's an instinct that they just know they need it as well, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I, he says he feels better. And I think it is the iodine and the selenium. Mm. So um, I buy hugely Korean or, you know, I try to get something organic if mm. possible. And Canadian is one of my favorite sources for sea vegetables because you can get the dulse flakes, which are from Eden Organic, which is Canadian sourced. And I just, I, I kind of feel like, well, it's it's right up there. It's nice and far away. So it must be a little bit better. I mean, It's true. Yeah. And yeah. Eden Organics is a great company. Unfortunately, oh, they don't make the seaweed snacks. No, I know. We should write to them. Let's do that. Should, okay, yeah. done. <laughs> Get on to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With uh, iodine, I see drops at the health shop. Is that something we could look at once we're with a practitioner? Um, or do you really feel like just a couple of nori sheets a day or, you know, those seaweed snacks and, and we're getting our amount? Well, I think well, in pregnancy, you definitely would take a supplement. Mm. Yeah, so either drops or you can, um, the obstetricians and midwives can actually prescribe a tablet that has enough iodine in it. Or hopefully you'll take a really good prenatal multivitamin as well that would provide enough. But you can be tested for iodine deficiency. So they are urine tests that you can do. And I think if you're very deficient, then you do want to take a supplement. Uh, you can overdose on iodine, so you have to be careful sometimes taking too much iodine can make the thyroid become hyperactive so it's be careful just don't take huge amounts you know you can buy little drops that have 50 micrograms of iodine 
if you take a couple drops of that, you're not going to overdose. But if you take 10 or 20 drops every day for a long time, you may. So I think if you, I mean, some practitioners use higher doses for patients who really need it, but they are supervised and they only take them the high dose for as long as they really need it. In Japan, people eat so much more iodine in their diet. You know, they have a much, much higher intake of iodine than what's recommended here. And some public health specialists say that's why they're so much healthier, mm. you know. But, you know, J Japanese people do lots of things differently from us, you know. Yes. They, they also eat a lot of soy products, fermented mm. soy, which I'm, I'm vegan. So I eat a lot of those as well. And I feel that they're very healthy. And from the research that I read, I, you know, that supports that. But, you know, you can't take one thing out of a different, completely different culture and say because of that one thing they live to 100 and we don't yes exactly you know? so yes. you have to look at the whole thing the whole culture the exercise they do the lifestyle the social connections and the diet mm, which is that blue zones approach isn't it mm -hmm. you know really yeah. thinking about the big picture which we're yeah. so in western society we are much more fad driven and focused on this one hot thing that's going to make everything okay and you know you see people changing their entire lives or diet off the back of a blog post or a program <laughs> and you just think wow you know it's it, we really need to start thinking much bigger picture and we we need to become much more self-analyzing I think and go actually no I'm only getting six hours sleep so I could do all the healthy food in in the world but not a lot is going to change until I'm giving my body some regenerative time or I'm actually working 15 hours a day every single day and I never see my friends so I have no social connection and that's probably not great for me either or whatever self-analysis you need to do it's not just pop a pill and it's going to be okay and I think you know while it's absolutely essential that we look at these key deficiencies and how they manifest and what we can do about them it's also I, I really love you know helping us all gently remember that there's a lot that we could be doing in the big picture sense of living a full beautiful life to make ourselves have the best chance of these little, you know, changes in our diets also um, having a huge effect. Now, you mentioned iodine, you mentioned a thyroid, and you mentioned getting tested, obviously, uh, optimally before pregnancy. Um, but I really am a big fan of quite regularly testing my thyroid. I do it every year. But the first couple of times I got my thyroid tested, I was told everything was okay. And it wasn't until I went to a holistic practitioner that said, oh, they're just looking at TSH. That doesn't mean much. Let's look at this, 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 and this as well. Can you just share with everybody what they should be asking for to be tested by their doctor? Yeah. I mean, a really thorough thyroid um, assessment is, you know, comprehensive. I have to tell you that doctors hate to be told what they should be testing for. Mm, I know. <laughs> I know. But when I go to my GP and say, would you please test this? Oh, no, no, you don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> you may have to, if you want to have a really good assessment, you have to find an integrative doctor probably or someone who is trained in nutritional medicine. And you may have to pay for some of those tests yourself, you know, because really the the public health system looks at just TSH, which is your thyroid-stimulating hormone. And if that is abnormal, they'll go on and do more. But it is true. That's just the hormone TSH that is produced by the brain to push the thyroid to work. Mm -hmm. 
And But then the thyroid has to make the hormones called T3 and T4, and you want to also look at the free T3 and T4. You want to look at antibodies to the thyroid if you have any kind of symptoms of thyroid problems. So because you can have very commonly um, autoimmune problems where you have antibodies against your thyroid, and that needs to be addressed if you have that. So it, it is a comprehensive assessment, and I would say that really um, you're best served by going to see someone who knows about it as, you know, it makes that their specialty. Great advice. And I might say for anyone in Australia, you can jump on the mind, org website, and they have a directory, a national directory that tells you where the integrative practitioners are around the country who would be able to help with that if you feel that's a problem for you. That's a great resource, the MIND. And then there is also ACNAM, the Australasian College of Nutrition and Environmental Medicine. They also have doctors Ooh, and resource. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Now, because you have an environmental um, uh, leaning and, and focus in, in the work that you do, can any environmental factors, I mean, obviously fish in the sea and um, and, and uh, you know, we sort of briefly talked about that, but can any other environmental factors affect us and bring about deficiencies or is it really more about what we put in ourselves rather than on or around ourselves? No, I mean, definitely environmental um, toxins are a big part of that, you know. If we didn't have all the hormone disruptors and, you know, for example, plastic that affect our thyroid, we probably wouldn't need that much iodine. But um, there, so there are a lot of environmental toxins that affect our hormones, including the thyroid hormone. And then our thyroid has to work extra hard. From an environmental perspective, I always recommend to get rid of plastics in the household because, you know, BPA is a big one. We now all go out and buy BPA-free plastic, but the BPA has been replaced with BPS and other plasticizers. And in a few years, the research will be out to show that they're just as bad. Yes, but exactly. But the research hasn't done yet, and the industry just takes advantage of that, you know. Of course. So, we see it with um, cosmetics and the parabens being replaced by phenoxyethanol. And, you know, already there are a couple of very small studies that are showing that's in the hormone disruption class as well, which will only produce more studies, which down the track will say, oh, whoops, it's exactly the same as parabens, you know. And I just think caution um, and precaution are our best friend rather than just assuming that the industry is doing things that are safe for us because the track record, if you look at everything from plastics to lead to asbestos to, you know, these, or your DDT is good for me, you know, all those sorts of slogans of the 50s, uh, unfortunately, they're they tend to be releasing things that are great for profits uh, and and pr production efficiency uh, and literally just wait until they can not get away with it anymore, unfortunately. That's actually the case, don't, don't you think? Absolutely agree. Mm. I mean, we really need to be more uh, preventative, you know, rather than exposing our children to toxins and waiting till they get sick, it's just thinking, well, maybe we can do it without them. Maybe we can live without flame retardants, you know, not buy pajamas that the kid sleeps in for 12 hours every day that yeah. are soaked in toxins yeah. or furniture or Teflon anti, you know, uh, cooking utensils, you know, I would never use a Teflon skillet, no, you know, only um, cast iron. And there's so many different things that 
we expose our children to every single day in our homes that are toxic and that we can avoid. And I think that's one of the big pillars really of good health for children. I mean, one is the nutrition, one is the lifestyle of enough exercise, not too much screen time. One is avoiding the environmental toxins, mm. you know, and then the good sleep. If you get those four things right, I think you really have a very good chance of raising healthy and happy children. Beautiful. And you've got a book that helps us. Um, I'm, I'm sneakily segueing for you here, <laughs> Lena, <laughs> but you. it's a really good book. So can mm. you please tell us about that before we finish up today? Yeah, the Children's Health A to Z. A to Z. I wrote that last year mm-hmm. and it's been published by Bateman. Uh, I wrote it to help parents with kind of day-to-day problems that their kids may get, like a sore throat, a fever, a tummy ache, um, an itchy bottom, allergies, runny noses, all of those things and what, um, how to figure out what the cause is mm-hmm. and what can you do in the most natural way to help your get, kid get over it quickly. And so it really goes from A to Z through all those common problems. And the first four chapters before that are exactly those four pillars that I talked about for just a minute ago of optimal health, you know, mm-hmm. the nutrition, the sleep, the lifestyle, and avoiding environmental toxins because you can do a lot of things with very simple steps to ensure that your kids, you know, meet all their requirements. Mm. And once a child has a good diet, an additive-free diet of whole foods and sleeps enough hours a night and doesn't spend more than the recommended time on screens and spends lots of time outdoors running around and playing – and is not exposed to the toxins, they really generally are healthy and mm-hmm. happy. And that's my goal, as you know, for people not to have to come to me because <laughs> their child is deficient, but, you know, mm. get, get them well from the start. And I, I'll say just by having had a good look at the book myself, it's, you know, if you're someone who's literally just starting out to getting curious about what we put on and in us and our state of mind and how it affects our general health and you don't even have a child, I really believe this book is is just so beautiful and simple and that whole approach of A to Z with the chunk down little pieces of information, you know, it really makes for a great learning experience uh, for anyone, child or not child, I, I believe. Oh, thank you. Well, it's true. You know, quite often the adult, um, you know, healthy books are just these huge tomes of massive chapters and so much reading. And I mean, who has the time? But at the same time, you know, you go onto the internet for something brief and chunky and you end up in a rabbit warren of confusion because this contradicts this and then who wrote that and were they funded and where is their research and the links to studies and, you know, so I really, yeah, it's a great book. Congratulations. Thank you, Alex. Mm. So thank you so much for joining us. I know there will be stacks of information that people got out of today's chat that will definitely be helping them or their child um, uh, identify some some issues there that they might want to actually go and see a practitioner about. Uh, we will have, of course, all of the uh, links to further reading and Layla's book and how you can get in touch with Layla. Do you do Skype consults ever, Layla, for people who aren't in Sydney or no? Yeah, I do. I mean, with Australia, the problem is that Medicare doesn't really cover Skype unless you live in a very remote area, but I do. Okay, great. It's just good to know for someone who might be finding it hard to find an integrative practitioner near them. And yes, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Thank you so much, Alex. I'll speak to you soon. We'll have to get you back. There's just so much to talk about. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode of the Low Tox Life podcast. I would love for you to check out the show notes as well, and you can find those at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. Now, if there's anything that inspired you from today's episode, I would so love to hear and have you share that maybe online. Use the Lotox Life hashtag and I can be found on Twitter or Instagram at A-L-E-X-X underscore Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. Now, if you liked what you heard today and you want to join us again next time, subscribing is a great way to be notified of a new episode. So hit subscribe and I look forward to welcoming you next time. Bye for now. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.